Welcome, Anime Loungers, to another episode of the Anime Lounge Podcast. I'm your host, Lance, and I'm here with one of my hosts, Matt. Today's episode is going to be Season 2 of The Promised Neverland. But before we get started, we'd like to talk about what we're drinking. And today, my adult beverage of choice is going to be some Old Forester Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. And this bottle happens to be the 100 proof bottle. And I could say that the 100 proof is uh, definitely a kicker because you take one inhale of this stuff and it definitely kicks you. Burnt off a good layer of my tongue, but now it's going down pretty smooth. What, what about you, Matt? What are you drinking? Uh, today I'm going to be finishing our Johnny Walker Blue Label. It's definitely delicious. Unfortunately, that's going to be the end of it. And then, of course, per usual, I'm drinking a Spotted Cow. Ah, yes, me too. Uh, just to kind of give a quick synopsis of what Season 2 is about, in case anybody forgot. So, we are going to be following along as Emma, Ray, and the other children escape Gracefield Farms in order to find a world where they can be free and don't have to fear being food for the demons. Because remember, all they cared about was being free. Lance, can you give us a Lance's lessons for this episode? Today's Lance's lesson is going to be a phrase, not a word. And it's going to be the phrase for thank you for this meal. And all you hardcore Japanese listeners might remember this. It's going to be itadakimasu. This is a phrase that you use before you start eating, and this phrase typically means I'm going to receive this food, whether it's a plant or an animal, and I'm going to use it for my own life, which is spiritual for the Japanese world. Once again, that's itadakimasu. It's spelled I-T-A-D-A-K-I-M-A-S-U. Itadakimasu. Make sure to like and follow that on our social pages. I'd say that one is definitely appropriate for this one because you see when uh, Sunju mm-hmm. and Emma do the ritual and then they do that a lot. Exactly. And that's why I chose it. Uh, I think they did it like two times in like episode two and they did, they did it multiple times throughout the series. Every time that all the kids sat down to eat, they all said thank you for this meal. I mean, of course, we watched this in English. Yep. I guess. I don't, did you watch that... Uh, Episode 5.5, by chance. Okay, so I don't know what it's like out there on the rest of the internet, but Funimation has a episode 5.5, which is just a recap episode. And the recap episode was just in Japanese. Yeah. Couldn't be in English, so no biggie. And we went and revisited the season one days when everyone was together and all the children back at the orphanage, they all said, you know, thank you for this meal. So it was used so often, you know, I want to stick with the everyday kind of use kind of stuff. So itaraki mas was just an easy one to throw out there and let's keep these phrases alive. So yeah, it's definitely, I remember talking to you about it, just trying to want to learn Japanese. So it's good to get these phrases and get all these words down because it's something I've been wanting to do personally. Oh yeah. And just a reminder that this is the phrase you say before you start eating. There's a whole different phrase that you say afterwards. So, and all the hardcore sub listeners will will know this. So, okay. So, just kind of want to kick everything off. I know we usually start everything with favorite characters, but I kind of want to get your opinion on just what you thought of the anime itself. Because I know every time 
you look online and you see like people talk about season two there you, you get a very mixed bag of opinions mm-hmm. so i'm curious what your opinion of this was overall of this anime I did really enjoy the anime. And this is coming with zero knowledge of the manga. Okay. And up until the very last episode, I loved it all. Okay. I thought the last episode the last episode really, really made me upset. How they just like skipped multiple years. Yep. But that's that that could be a whole conversation in itself. All in all, I am very pleased with the anime itself, and I think that's a, a very positive thing to take away that a lot of listeners and interested people should you know walk away with don't listen to the manga people telling that it's garbage because of various reasons of various reasons and they're probably they are going to be very real reasons but if you're going to be just a casual anime watcher watch the anime it's well worth it yep say you watched it just to put it behind you and have fun with it yes what you meant what did you watched the anime before you read the manga right yep Yes, I did. So what was your take? I enjoyed it. I completely agree with the ending of season two. It felt kind of rushed. Uh, one thing is that I know I talked to you about is just thinking about pacing. How What do you think about pacing? And we'll, I know we'll talk about that later. Mm-hmm. But other than that, I thought it was really good, especially because of season one. I wanted I wanted to continue. It, it, season one was so good that I wanted to know what happened to everybody if they got free or whatever how how it finished i was not assume i was not going to assume that this is only going to be a two season anime i thought this was going to be three just by how many chapters were in the manga right and you were saying in the last episode like they could have easily made this even into four seasons yeah judging off of how many chapters they took for them from the first season yeah uh if you guys remember from season one when we talked about it Season one is 37 chapters, and in total, there's 181 chapters. So if you were 40, you can make that into three or four seasons. Easily, yeah, if they did it properly. Yeah, Yeah, so I definitely thought the story was really good. I thought the story was very well written. All the characters were very likable, and you had a very wide variety of characters. I just thought pacing was a little off. Especially compared to season one. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, we watched season one maybe, what, a month ago? Maybe a month ago? In terms of this recording, yeah. Yeah. So it's just, you go from season one to watching season two like this, and you're just like, man, it's something seemed a little off. Yeah, it was, it was pretty damn quick. There was a lot of stuff that they just jumped around about. A lot of time frames have been skipped. Yep. Um, I think the first time jump that they did as far as in the anime, was when Sanju, Mujika, and the kids were walking through that tunnel mm-hmm. to get closer to, like, what, that desert area, that wide-open place away from yep. the forest. I think five, yeah, episode two says five days had gone by that they were traveling in just the tunnel. Yep. So that's, I mean, it's nothing too extreme, but I don't I don't know how much you could have really filled in with those five days of just tunnel traveling. I know they uh, offered how... How to start hunting. Emma started learning how to, you know, kill birds on her own with the bow and arrow. Yep. Which is very useful. Well, they also have Mujica showing them, like, berries and all the other thing. And that's pretty much... That follows really well along with the manga. That, that to me, that pacing was fine. Yeah. I think the first half of 
the anime was decently paced. Okay, so basically... I was, I was totally on board with all of that. Up till after the shelter got blown up, basically? Is that what you're saying? So after the shelter getting oh, blown up? Yeah, so I think... From that that pacing forward? Yeah, know? and you know, if you want to talk about pacing and when it comes to that shelter, like I felt like that shelter was short-lived. Like I, I know they did go through like what almost like maybe two months or so i know Give or take. one of the, i know one of the kids was writing in their journal and i had written down january 2047 yeah and then they showed like one they showed her writing in it again and it was a different date but it was still january 27 it was at the end i'm like oh crap i didn't realize they were gonna go and stay in the same month i thought months were gonna go by at this point yeah i think they so they escaped was it january of 46 was that what it was or was it 47 um well episode four i wrote down january of 47 well when they escaped from uh, when grace field grace House. field was 46 yes yeah. okay so that had been a so it had been a year at that point yeah well they had just oh i suppose because when they escaped it was still like late winter wasn't it yeah okay no so... it was before i still think it was january oh that's right because many months have gone by a couple months had gone by after Norman got shipped out. Yeah, because so Norman's birthday was January of 46, and then he gets shipped out. And then it was two months later, so March of 46. So it's been, what, nine months according to the anime Something from like the that. time they escaped to the time basically right before the shelter getting blown up. Well, okay. Well, that might, that's going to answer a question that I had. I mean, it wasn't going to be a super serious question, but it was still going to be something to talk about with the, the two year timeline between getting Phil and the rest after yeah. they escaped. Was if, it two years? Yeah, because okay. Phil was four and yep. the earliest that they start shipping kids out was six. So Emma was saying, we'll be back within two years to make sure we get everyone. Yep. So by the time they escape, we can, we're assuming right now that about nine months have gone by. Yep. So it'd be uh, probably another year from the moment that the diary entry is made to the time that they rescue Phil, give or take. If it... Oh, no, I'm talking about from this diary entry and episode four Yep. to the time that they initially escaped. Oh, yeah. So, so nine months. that was nine months. Yep. And then we'll jump at like, we'll just jump ahead like a couple more episodes when we get introduced to the demon city. Oh, wait, you know what? When those demons were saying it's been a year yeah since the kids escaped from the place so i guess we can only assume that maybe three months have gone by so that was only so. like a yeah. three month time skip okay i was gonna say if that, if that was nine months and then those demons said a oh, year is that gonna be a year nine months we're getting pretty damn close to that two-year marker but yeah i guess now that we uh take a second to think about it not that much time has gone by no about a year according to the anime so mm. and yeah as, as soon as we get introduced to the demon village we can assume at that point that it has been pretty much a solid year because they did state it. Yep. So, uh, well, just to kind of go back to when you were saying when Phil gets shipped out, honestly, I took them shipping Phil out as the we're getting rid of all kids in all plantations. So we're shipping everybody out no matter what, like no matter the age kind of thing, because that was when the Lambda project. Oh, I was talking about season one. Oh, okay. What, yeah, what, yeah, yeah. The reason for them leaving Phil and them behind yeah, cause was the because they were four. But yeah, it, when we start talking about Lambda in season two, yeah. that's a whole different story. Yeah, yeah that was... Okay, yeah. it's Which was completely... Under, it's like, okay, that makes sense. And wait the two years and then... They you, should be safe according to their standards. Yep, yeah, as long as nothing had changed, which 
no matter how smart you are, you should have expected stuff to change. But mm-hmm. you can't. I guess you can't assume something that drastic would change in less than two years. Going back to Phil, I have a little bit of a gap in memory right now. I'll see if you can fill that. Um, remember when Vincent radioed it headquarters mm-hmm. and telling them that there's a plan, let's make a deal? Mm-hmm. Was that before or after they got the transmission saying that all the kids are going to be shipped out? Uh, that would have been... Yeah, because now I'm getting confused. Was, was that deal, that that fake deal that Vincent was trying to make, is that what kick-started the idea of getting um, Phil and the other kids I think it out? was. I think it was after. I think it was because I think they had already created a plan to go to Gracefield and save all of the kids, and he was pseudo-leaking all of the information. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, they left us off that cliffhanger. Yeah, I think that's... In episode 9 making us think that he's a bad guy i was like oh fucking a uh right yeah because i think episode eight was the cliffhanger of the kids getting shipped and i think episode nine was the continuation of the story see episode eight we meet peter retry okay uh he wants to help uh norman he was you know making norman take those drugs yeah he and was... then they find sanjo mujika they come back, but Norman has already carried his plan, and then the blind demon has a sacred blood and saves demon Emma. That's all I wrote down for that one, really. But so, so it must had... be must be uh, episode nine is when they find out about the kids. Cause I'm pretty sure it all happens in succession, kind of yeah, kind of stuff. Because they weren't we're not planning on saving the kids at the orphanage quite at that point. Right? Yeah, because a lot yeah shit went down in episode eight. Yeah, Norman was savage and didn't get he just wanted to destroy everything yep i was crazy i did not expect him well i guess i don't know what i expected i just thought it was just crazy <laughs> yeah I, I sat there with my eyes wide open i just wanted to see everything unfold because he had he was ready to start hacking slashing demons and take everything in control i mean yeah his goal was to completely eradicate all demons all demons so i could i could see it Granted, he did not have the fortitude to actually kill it, like physically kill them. Because mm-hmm. remember, he had a he had the opportunity to kill the one, and he never did. The old one, I th- yes, the blind guy. Yeah, the blind or guy, like Vilk, V Y L K, Vilk. Yeah, we'll go with that. That's what yeah. I wrote down. I, I watched season two in subtitles, so this time I wrote down <laughs> how they were spelled out. Yeah, I'll I'll believe you for that one because I am not sure. Oh. And um, just to kind of give a little spoiler, he was basically nobody in the manga. Really? Yeah. Wow, he was pretty damn important in the anime. Yes, yes he was. And he was... Yeah, he, he explained that he had been carrying around, what do they call it, the, the, the deep, evil blood? The evil blood. In the manga, they're, uh, in the anime, they're calling it the evil blood. Yep. For like the past 800 years. Seven. Was, seven? I, it was wow. 700 years. Something like that. And then he was too afraid to expose himself and he just stayed in the shadows yep so then he ate um ate some humans to kind of make it look like he was part not of, anything part and of the crew yep and just to kind of give another little spoiler about things is uh he did not eat um mr minerva Ooh. so he did he did not eat him okay that's really interesting because so that, that was one thing that me and emily were throwing questions at each other one of the last episodes with uh 
Mr. Minerva's what was it? Well, that was his older brother, the 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 piece, the asshole Jim. Peter. So the Peter was the uh, yeah. So he was the head of the Rat Tree Clan mm-hmm. at that moment. Like during the lamb, he was in charge of the Lambda Project and all that. And then James was his brother, was his older brother. And then James was James was Mister Minerva. Minerva, right? Yep. Okay, so from what the anime was talking about, the old demon Vilk was yep. the one that found him. Found him, got so, the item from him, got that pen piece. Yep. That showed the entire uh, blueprints of HQ. Yep. And then and then ate, ate him. him. And then that was Vilk's story. Yep. And then we find out a couple episodes later that Peter, it made it sound like Peter was like the one that like killed him in like, what was it? A house? I remember some kind of like hallway and he was just blood splattered and he was sitting there and like. Yeah, that was basically his palace kind of uh thing. Yeah. So me and Emma were like, I thought the old creepy ass Steven was the one that ate him and and now all of a sudden there he is in a building. So the only kind of connection that I could make was maybe Peter shot Minerva or something. Yeah. And then left him to die or threw him into a forest. And then Minerva wandered his way. And then Vilk ended up finding him. That's the only way I can, that there's the only way I can connect those two stories because otherwise they're someone's lying. That it's it, someone's lying or that's the only way to connect them. That's how I worked it. Well, I can tell you that he is lying because that is not what happens. That P.O.S. <laughs> no, it's a uh, Peter betrays his, his brother right. and kills him. So the second time you see him die, which is technically the first time you see him die, if you really want to put it into perspective, is the is how he dies. So Okay, well, if that's true, I wonder how Vilk came across that pen piece then. I will get into that in my list of... In your book of notes. My, <laughs> my book of differences, yes. Sure. Yeah, I can't wait for that. Just to give a quick little blueprint of how we're doing this episode, we're going to talk about, like we normally do, we're going to do the first big segment as anime and we're going to finish with manga, but as many of you might already know, there is already a huge difference. So the manga mentions is going to take a big portion of this episode. It's probably going to be the longest one yet. Yeah, and personally, I'm looking forward to it because I can't wait to hear the differences. So for anybody that really enjoys the manga mentions and wants to hear why they might be frustrated with season two, I might be able to tell you. But like I said, I enjoyed season two. And if I were to never have read the manga about season two, I would have been perfectly... I can't say I would have been perfectly fine with how season two went, but it would have been okay. Like I wouldn't, I've no real complaints about how season yeah, right. two went. If I, if, if I wouldn't have known anything about the manga or if I wouldn't have seen anything on the internet about people being mad about it, yep. I would have been just fine. Yep. My, he, of course, mine's the last episode. And I'm seeing on my notes right now that Vilk is 700 years old. So yeah, you were right. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why I thought 800, but yeah. Yeah. I loved it. the season in general was great. Yep. Um, just to kind of. Go into one thing. So what do you think when you originally saw Peter persuading Isabella to become the grandma? What what was your initial reaction to that? Um, Peter was the one that was doing the persuading. Because for some reason, I'm, I got like some memory of like the original grandma telling her that she can make her a grandma. Yes. But then when she's in the jail 
in prison, whatever you want to call it, it's Peter that goes and talks to her and then okay. says that she can, he can give her her freedom and all these right, things right. and makes her become a grandma. Okay, so that, all that happened. So they promised her her freedom as yep. long as she can bring back the kids. Yep. I turned to Emily. I'm like, watch, she's going to become some badass ninja woman <laughs> and she's going to go swift through these forests, find these kids, somehow beat them up and return them. <laughs> It's going to go from, like, zero to 60. And honestly, I'm glad it didn't take that route. Yeah. I am kind of surprised that the anime didn't make her more, like, active. Like, she kind of just sat in the shadows and was like, yeah, we're going to wait for them to come to us. Like, there was, like, zero planning that went into, you know, their field. She knew her children, right? So Mm -hmm. she knew that they were going to come back. Yeah. Well, what was your thoughts about, like, those little secrets being exchanged. Also, there was that that whisper that we couldn't find out. Yeah, me that me and Emily were talking about. Like, what do you think she was saying? And I think we eventually figured out like it was probably to be grandma because I don't think that was part of the initial deal. No, it was. That was. was a, yep. Okay, then I don't. I don't remember what we agreed that we thought it was. But yeah, I definitely thought it? I thought she was going to be evil again. Like I thought it, it was, was straight evil. Yeah, I thought she was going to be like, oh, okay. Well, get no. her ego back. Yep. And was pleasantly wrong. I will I will be perfectly fine with accepting the fact that I was wrong in that case. Mm-hmm. So. so with that, are you angry, happy, sad, annoyed with uh, how Isabella took the final stage, pointing the guns at the kids and then actually turning the tides and pointing them at Peter? Peter. And then telling them that, like, you know, we've been playing this entire time. Uh, when the systems went down, our chips got turned off, so we're not going to die. I was fine with that. I was, and then okay, so like, I mean, I don't know if I'm trying to fish for any kind of reaction after trying to describe it, anyways. But like, do you think she's, do you think she's good in heart, or do you think she's only doing this because she knows that there's a some freedom at arm's reach? So I will say I got persuaded from the manga because she gets a like a pseudo redemption arc which is like a couple chapters and there are a chapter it's probably like eight pages and it's pretty much like saying that so she gets like a a pseudo redemption couple handful of pages and it goes along the lines that she did this because she's truly loved us kind of thing Mm -hmm. and she was trying to do what she could to actually protect us. Mm-hmm. And they go a little bit more into it. I mean, they kind of did touch on that in mm-hmm. the anime. Because, like, when they were trying to explain at the very end, like, we know things went wrong and we understand, but we still love you because you did give us actual love. Yep. And all that fun stuff. And then, just to kind of throw another change that happens, because it wasn't something I was normally going to... I was not planning on talking about. Isabella actually dies. In the end. Oh shit! Yeah. Well, the anime totally. Yep, they changed that part. Oh yeah, no, she uh, she real dead. So. Okay, can you drop a quick spoiler on that, like before the mentions, or is this going to be a really good part for the mentions? No, I can talk about it now. Basically, okay. during the whole chaos of things, there is a demon that is still alive. Goes after Emma, and she Isabella steps in the way of the demon killing her. Killing Emma. Does this demon come into headquarters or is this outside somehow? Um, they are actually outside 
like in the field. Okay. And so in the field, there's this demon that appears and attempts to kill Emma and Isabella gets in the way and dies in the process of stopping the demon from killing Emma. Wow. So she gets she gets her redemption. Huge difference there. Wow, that's already step one. Yep. And um, she apologizes to Ray for not being able to uh, basically give him everything he wanted. And knowing that he has the... We talked about it last episode. It's the infant... Amnesia. Um, yeah infant amnesia so she knows that he has the doesn't have the infant amnesia and so basically she apologizes that she couldn't make his life better Mm. so just does a bunch of little things to kind of redeem herself at the end i can buy that yeah it was nice do you remember seeing oh yeah yeah. i was about to say do you remember seeing like as far as the anime goes in the final episode where they showed like the years go by everyone grows up Mm -hmm. do you remember seeing isabella in any of that and i do remember seeing her she was like on like she was like grass, some, some grassy, some grassy picnic area with her hair down, and yeah, she was some like shadowy kind of, just kind of definitely off in the distance kind of person. Yeah, yeah, it was a, it was just a quick glimpse of her that I can remember. Yep, wasn't too important. Yep, she was, she was still there, and you see her walk with Phil and the other kids in the beginning of the... in the begin in the very okay. beginning. Yep. Um, talking about this flash forward part, I don't remember seeing. Oh my god. I was about to say, I don't remember seeing Ray, but obviously it's because he's back in the demon section. Yep. Duh. So, Ooh. Yeah. Um, just talking about kids growing up. I want, I just wanted to make sure that I throw this out there. Uh, Toma. Okay. Uh, for our listeners, Toma was one of the, uh, top two kids. We had Lonnie and Toma. Lonnie was that, uh, kid with like, I don't know. I don't know how you want to describe his hairstyle, but it almost looked like volcanic looking. Like it was like a like a vegetable shape. It was yellowish with like an orange tint at the very tip. And then Toma had like this black hair, and he had like three little prongs coming out of it. Okay. Um, they were they were the ones that always were super eager to do anything and join along. That's the best I can really say. More more prominent in the beginning of season two, and very active at the end of season one. Okay. Anyway, yep. So I just wanted to say Toma just every time his little three hair loop thing I saw him, it just reminded <laughs> me of like the new Ash Ketchum from like Sun and Moon and stuff and how like weird it looked. It was strange. Oh, and now that I'm looking at the character sheet, uh apparently his name is Rosie Rossi. Uh I don't remember if I wrote down what I anyway, there's this kid, one of the little kids, who has like these little Little tiny beady eyes. Yep. And like the rest of his face is really big. And I could not see him without thinking that the animators just took a normal set of eyes, went, clicked on the eyes, went to the top right section and like shrunk the eyes. And this is, <laughs> his, his facial features do not match the rest of his face. And it just throws me off every single time I see him. Yeah. He's got a super big head and then just tiny, tiny, tiny eyes. Kind of like, um, you remember the Wii? figures where you uh-huh. shrunk their eyes as small as can be yeah it was like that yep was, yeah it might as well <laughs> so um just to kind of go back into some some of the characters what do you think of what they did to norman are you glad that he he was still alive or did you think he was going to be dead um we all did suspect that he would be alive and i did expect him to come back somehow mm-hmm. um i was i was expecting him to come back and i i guess 
overall, I am happy that he made his appearance in the anime when he did. Because a year has gone by, and they met in the Demon Village, and he saved Emma and and Ray. Yep. And then that was a good little reunion. So I guess I was okay with it. What about you? Yeah, I thought it was was good. I did not see that coming. I just, as far as how he saved her, or them, I, I wasn't expecting it. Granted, I don't know what I was really expecting, so I guess... I shouldn't have been all that surprised. Cause... Yeah, right. I, I, yeah, I had no expectations how he would make his appearance again. Yep. I guess the way I saw him coming back was, I know we, uh, on our last episode, I was talking about how based on the thumbnail that Funimation offers with Emma sitting side by side with uh, the demon child that we now know as Mujica, and I would drunk, drunkenly assume that there was going to be lots of uh, political activity going on which was way off (laughs) uh i just assumed that a lot of season two was going to be emma and the team getting captured Mm -hmm. and they're going to be in headquarters and they were going to be all the struggles were going to be within headquarters not outside in the demon area and i thought that they were gonna meet norman within headquarters so i guess i'm very surprised to see that it was out in the open and that Norman himself has also escaped. Okay, yeah. What'd you think of uh, Norman's team? Of uh, the Lambda, essentially Lambda rejects at right. that point. The, well, yeah, also at this point, the only survivors. Yeah. Because they blew everything up. I, I thought it was good. I can definitely see that being realistic. Because, I mean, if you want to bring this kind of to a more non-anime side of things, that's pretty much what we're trying to do, isn't it? Trying to figure out a better way to mass-produce something that we all all use. Right. So I can see I can see that happening. And because they're using humans, it's, gonna, it's not going to work out the same way. And what they did is highly plausible i can see that i can see that happening just being you're getting norman who's probably the smartest person on the planet at that point right like ungodly genius yep another thing from the manga that they talk about is they kind of well i know they kind of talk about it but they view norman as like a god yeah in in a sense i don't know if they i don't think they worship him in that sense but just the he can do anything and everything kind of thing. So it's just um kind of puts into perspective just how smart he is. It's it's crazy to think that there is no limit to his smartness because in the anime they were just talking about how they kept Norman kept breaking every single hurdle that they kept throwing at him. Like they're not trying to be easy on him, and they just he just keeps getting hundreds on all these tests. Yep. And do you think she, it's because of these drugs that Lambda ended up giving him in the end, or do you think that was just I no think avail? What? Um, what? Do you, what do you mean? Well, because like, we know we know that in the end he was he lied about being tested on because he was given drugs. Yeah, and that's why he's coughing up blood. Do you think those drugs had an effect on why he's coughing up blood and why he continued getting smarter and smarter, or do you think he was just that was just he was just always smart? I think he was that smart. Yeah. And I think the tests were to kind of be able to reproduce his ability and make it smarter. I don't think it worked. I think it's just he was that smart. Right. I can, I would have totally rolled with that too. But then you have to ask, then what were the drugs for? And 
I, I'm I I come up blank on that one. We are also not psychopaths, so yeah, we can't go into the mind of Peter in this case. And yeah, Peter was pretty psycho. He was totally on board with being on the demon side and giving them the humans that they desired. Well, he was so fixated on the promise, and that. Right. Yeah, they, he saw that as a good thing where Minerva saw that as a bad thing. Yes, because I'm trying to think, do they... So when they explain who the children are, they explain it as essentially offspring of the Ratchery family, correct? Ooh, maybe. When they talked about the originals, I took that as the people, the group of people who agreed to make the promise itself. Okay. I don't know about the Ratcheries. Well, all I know is that whoever the original descendants were, they had very strong ties to the promise. Technically, it was only the Rattree clan that made the promise. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Which is why they are the ones in charge of basically making sure that the promise stays fulfilled. Okay. So his family line is going to be the food line? So so you're thinking that it's... Basically, everybody come is a descendant from the Ratchery family. Me or you? You. I'm. Oh, I took it as there was a group of people. Okay. Like a, a small committee. Yep. That went to them and said, "Let's separate our worlds," which is the promise. Yep. And we'll give you a source of food, and then the demons agreed. But then the agreement was the source of food is going to be you and the rest of your. Yeah, yeah, because they needed they needed humans in order to basically stay intelligent, intelligent, and in that form, mm-hmm. the human. Yeah, before so, they could degenerate. Yep. So that's why that's why it had to be humans because if it wasn't, then they would have they wouldn't have been able to stay in that that humanistic form. Right. Could they like compensate and give like chimpanzees out? You know, they're like what 98 point something percent human anyway so no because then they would have because it's i mean you look at like music a horse they would have just turned into essentially ape-like demons right so that's true yeah that uh less than two percent means a whole universal difference so does matter that's that is correct it's it, it would be i mean that would be a good thing to a good idea in theory but unfortunately would not work to their preferences anyway yeah do this just came to my mind i wish i knew the origins of these demons okay uh but you don't have to dive into it but does does the manga explain the origins where they came from why this all started because this started a oh well i mean the promise happened a thousand years ago that doesn't mean that the demons appeared a thousand years ago so is there any origin stories of any sorts like that no, they, they don't go any... They, well, yes, they do. So the talk about how the demons are essentially a bacteria. So they are a mutation from a bacteria, and that's why they can basically evolve into humanoid-type demons. Okay. And then that because they have no... Because they evolved so quickly, they have no base, essentially base form. Mm-hmm. So that's why they need to eat humans so often is because they revert back to their base, which is essentially nothing. So okay. they, they just revert back to the, the demon form of nothing. So they don't actually evolve into anything. 
Okay, I can I can buy that. Like they might have started small and they just rapidly grew because. Mm-hmm. Uh, in my notes, I wrote down that uh, you are what you eat. Yep. And that's essentially what is exactly happening. I mean, we saw the horse demon, we see the humanoid demons and stuff like that. The only question I have really is you are what you eat. Like that enormous demon that's chasing everybody in that forest. Like if we got all these forms, why is this guy so big? Is it just because he's consuming everything that he can and he's just a freaking freak? Probably. A freak of a demon. Probably. Something along those lines. Might we as well. Can, we can go with that just because, I mean... The wildlife and the plant life is just so different from ours, which they talk about when in the first few episodes, just how different everything is. So I can see that being the case. Like there's something maybe not quite like it, but similar to. Mm -hmm. Did you, so just kind of go back to our typical questioning. Was there anybody that you met in season two that became your favorite character? Um, I want to say Sanju. Okay. Just because, you know, he was that tall, badass demon, Mm -hmm. comes in swinging swords, chopping, killing everything that's in his path. He had this badassness about himself. Yep. And then the only reason I have any hesitation on saying Sanju is because he has that moment where he says that he wants to hunt the ancestors of, you know, essentially Emma and the kids because they want their wildlings, something along those lines, right? Yep. Um, so I wanted, I was expecting so much more to branch out of that. And then he ends up being this, like, more towards the end of the series, Sanju kind of, like, gives up on all of that, and he's just totally cool to help the kids. Yeah. And it just seems so strange that he's, he's so willing, like, I know he has, like, his faith that Mujika was explaining earlier, that they don't eat humans, but he wants a wildling. I don't know, it's just strange. But I mean, I guess... Yeah, Sanju, yeah, he's just, he's got my interest. What about you? I might have a slight um, help for your case, which we can go into when we, when we get there. Oh, okay. Just to kind of go into it. Um. Oh, man, I probably should have thought about this a little bit more if I was going to ask it, right? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we have we have the kids, we have Sanju, we have Mujika, we oh. have all the sisters, we have... I will say uh, Zazi, so the guy... With the bag over his face is really badass. The one with the the blade. Yeah, the yeah. Blades. I kind of wanted to talk about him when we were talking about uh, Norman's crew. Yep, he was definitely probably. I'm trying to think because I gotta. I want to only stick to the anime. I don't, if I had to pick one, I might just pick him. Besides, um, Sonju. Yeah, I'd, I'd probably go with just to be different. I'll just because, just because, like, like he's the next most action-packed character. Yep. Yeah. And he's just kind of the most... Because of the people we meet in season two. Right. So, yeah. I want to see what's under his mask. Do you, his uh his eye pattern... I don't know if you ever noticed. Like, his eye pattern, like, sometimes spells, like, Z-O. Do you ever notice that? I did not. I will say you do get a glimpse of his face. In you the do? Manga. Ooh. Okay. I assume it's all deformed. I... No. It is actually pseudo demon like interesting um i i for a moment when you told me no i thought you were gonna say like the inosuke route like he was like some super beautiful man or something oh no 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 no, (laughs) definitely not but he has like um these crazy eyes and more like fang like features you really only get like a side profile of his face 
Damn, that sounds so much more interesting. Yeah. I like that. A demon, like, starting to get a little bit more demonoid. Yeah. So his eyes are just, like, super dark. And then his he's got, basically, his canines are just a little bit bigger. Uh-huh. And that's really all you see as far as his face is concerned. Yeah. As far as his face is concerned, that's all you see. So. Cool. Just a, just a glimpse of him looking cool. You know, when, uh, one of my first thoughts when I... When he made his appearance, when that blade came down out of his, like, flappy arm hood thing. Yep. Uh, remember uh, in the original X-Men movies, that that super shitty Deadpool? <laughs> when he had that big blade come down to mimic Wolverine? That's what I thought. Oh, I thought you were going to go Assassin's Creed. Route. Assassin's Creed? Yeah, that would be right there, too. But I was thinking, I don't know why, I just want X-Men with, like, the shitty ripoff. <laughs> with, with Ryan Reynolds being pissed off. Being a pissed off Deadpool, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah that shitty version. Um, back to the demonoid kind, like the demon form taking over the human deal. Okay. Um, the female in Norman's group, Barbara. Yeah, Barbara. Yep. There was that scene where she was eating that like that demon yep. body part. I turned to Emily and I said, "I'm pretty sure that if human, if demons who eat humans take on the form of that." I think that there's going to be, like, some reverse deal where if, like, a human were to eat a demon. And then Barbara started acting all psychotic and psycho. I'm like, I think I'm fucking right about this. And then we <laughs> and then we find out that, like, she's got side effects of all the drugs and experiments and stuff like that. I'm like, fuck. It's right there. <laughs> so I wanted, close. I wanted to be right about that so bad. But that's yeah. whatever. Yeah, it's... Especially because it could have been one of those things where they were, like, experimenting on her and they made her need demon meat for whatever crazy reason to be able to, like, sustain her strength or something along That would have been cool. But the anime explained why she eats demon. Basically as a, a fuck you to the demons. Exactly. Yep. An act of revenge. Hey, can we take a quick five and go grab another beer? Beer run. All right. Um, so to carry on our conversation, we haven't quite talked about that, uh, cool little bunker yeah. that the kids ended up finding at, uh, B0104 that the pen led them to. Yeah. I was, I don't know about you, but I thought that whole idea of a super secret underground bunker was, uh, pretty friggin' sweet. Yeah. I thought it was a great idea. I, honestly, I thought they were going to stay in there for a lot longer. A lot longer. I totally thought, yeah. I thought that was going to take up many more episodes. Yeah. And, and I thought from the bunker they were going to go uh, save the kids. Because that's the way that it made it seem. Yeah, that would have made complete sense to me, mm-hmm. is doing it that way. What would you think of the fact that there was nobody there? Like, did you think somebody was going to be there? I thought eventually they would have found somebody. Okay. Like, maybe some young adult like that was an escapee. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily Minerva, but some escapee who, like, gave up on, like, the idea of going out there and doing everything. Like, I don't know. I, I thought someone was going to be starved and in the corner, like, because they they haven't seen another living soul in forever. Yeah. I thought somebody would have been down there. Okay. Yeah, yeah. it's. I agree. I definitely thought somebody was going to be there as well. I will say, just kind of tease us some more, is the anime is not true to the manga. 
Oh, when no. it comes to the bunker, we'll put it that way. The, um, the biggest question I have about the bunker deal yep. is with that little girl, Yvette, okay. saw that little cell area and help was yep. sketched in everywhere. Yep. Like, I kn- I, I've never once been creeped out in this entire series. <laughs> but when I saw that and then they like did that weird camera angle and zoomed in on all the help and it was all scratched out and there was help written everywhere on that wall. Yep. I was, I actually got creeped out for once and they never capitalized on that. Like I need, I wanted an explanation. I wanted to be told that this bunker was a setup. And I think we all knew that was probably a setup. Okay. I, I took it as that. As soon as the, the men came storming in, I would, I just assumed that HQ headquarters knew that this bunker existed and they expected the kids to go there. Yeah. I don't know about you, but that was just my expectation. Because how else would they have known? They anime wise don't don't, don't yeah yeah, yeah no quite yet. Uh, I definitely agree with the being creeped out. Like that was the first time I'd actually been creeped out mm-hmm. in the in the series because it was like oh man what what happened what I, and why like yeah like what was what's going down in this bunker? Yeah, I thought they were gonna have a like a pseudo flashback kind of be like get some clues about what had happened mm-hmm. previously that caused all that, but obviously they didn't. And then when it came to the, them finding them, I just took it as they slipped up a little bit and they were able to find them kind of thing. They just kind of were searching all over the place. Because, I mean, you have three of the highest quality, well, two, excuse me, two oh, of yeah. the highest quality two, yeah. specimens they've ever had. And they escaped, so they're 100% looking for them to try and get them back. Right. So I just thought that they had just managed to find it. I didn't think that it was going to be a trap. Yeah. I, mm, I didn't think that it was a like a setup or anything. I just thought that they had found the bunker. Oh, I assumed it was bugged somehow. Like not necessarily bugged, but like I just knew it was compromised. Yeah, that that was my take. Um, what did you think about the men? The men, as far as like the humans, the humans and the guns, and because they were quite clearly men. Yep. And in episode in season one, we learned through Krona, you know that that. that the girls were the ones that were saved. Yep. To you know, be sisters and stuff. But like they never touched base on what uh, secondary future that a, a male could have. I I took that as just I didn't really think too much of it until you find out about the clan, like the the Ratri clan, uh-huh. and I just thought they were like cousins or something. Like they were family like members later in the in, series. Yeah, they right. were family members in the clan. So your first, what was your first impression of the men infiltrating? I try to think. I'm I'm pretty sure I thought that they were just um they had to be connected somehow. Like either they were from the outs the human world and they were helping making sure that nothing happened or that they were. Yeah, that's kind of where I was going to. I thought it was some some team from the human side that was sneakily working in the shadows making sure that the humans in the demon side would survive yep not yep. Th- not that they were working for the demons yeah okay yeah yeah so you and i were kind of on the same page right there yeah it was so one thing i will say is that it's kind of cool in the manga it's not actually something i had wrote down is so you know the owls mm-hmm. the owls were how they kept track they had they were like drones the owls were drones so that's how they could get footage of like they stuff. were mechanical drones. Yeah, they were mechanical okay. drones. So, so they that's how they that's they how they found biological no. things. No, that's kind of uh, I don't know if you watched uh, The Witcher. No, it's on my list. 
definitely a good one. But there's The Witcher was very good. Okay, that's good. Definitely very good. But just to kind of go back is so they were mechanical owls, and that's how they were able to fix. So they found the kids in the forest and they knew they were in the desert and then peter knew that his brother basically left stuff and left bunkers he just didn't know where right so that that was how they they figured out that there were bunkers in the area and he had left a a lot of dummy bunkers so oh interesting just to kind of throw that out there as well um, one side branch that I thought that might have given their location away was in, what was it, episode one? It was probably episode one, maybe episode two. No, I think it was episode one. When Ray is running away and trying to get the the headquarter demons mm-hmm. to follow him, and he's been surrounded, and he starts etching into that tree. Yep. And I think he etched in the that location of B0104. Yep. And then I I thought that headquarters saw that tree and somehow found a connection between that number and where they actually were. So that could have been my only deep dive into, you know, back. Obviously, I had to look through my notes to make that connection again because I, I totally forgot that. He, if, if I hadn't wrote down that he wrote down on the tree, I would have totally forgot about it. So that was just something. Yeah, he definitely does write down the coordinates on the tree and you could if you were paying close enough attention i could see you putting two and two together like that's how they that's how they found it but it's he yeah because he had wrote that down for emma in the group right in case he got uh, separated um so yeah I'm, i'm pretty good on the bunker talk uh another question i had is more along the lines of that blue pendant thing that mujika gave to emma yeah other than the fact that it was just a piece of, that it was just an item okay. that it was given to Emma and which made her, you know, we saw in the anime that it was left behind while they were looking for the demons. It, it served no like mystical purpose and I expected some big flashy reveal to come from it because, you know, it's it's a flashy pendant thing and usually that stuff means magical <laughs> stuff and all that we got from it was that it was... Uh, a keepsake that Mujika knew that she gave to Emma and it randomly shows up in an area and then that would that tips off Mujika that Emma and the crew is in the area that's the whole purpose of it in the anime and I expected so much more I expected it to be some kind of I just I don't know I just expected some kind of magic to come out of it (laughs) um two things one I can tell you that's not how Mujika and Sunjo find out that they're in the area oh and two, um, it does have some sort of properties in a sense, but I'll definitely dive into that when it comes to the manga section because okay. it is it does does have a, a slight significance in the manga. All so, right, well that's so, good because I would like some further information on that one. Yeah, and I know you had brought up the or we never really brought up how the flowers like they had significance in the first episode and oh, then it, yes. and then like they'd never bring it up again yep um through the anime we find out that uh sanju and mujika explain like their faith i mean i, mean, I guess their, their faith doesn't have anything to do with the flowers the flowers are but they did ex- they did start explaining the gupna yep 
and they said that the Gupna drained like the blood from the body and preserved the body for like the nutrients for eating. And yep. I think that's all I understood. Well, they also they it is kind of a religious thing because they say if it blooms, then the God has blessed the meat so you can eat it. Sounds familiar, yeah. And that's really all they talk about. I will also say this is another part of the manga that it is brought up, but not in that sense. Oh. So if you guys haven't noticed, there's a significant amount of differences between the anime and the oh, manga. Yeah. And yeah, we're we're almost there and I'm I'm ready. <laughs> um I guess the last thing I want to talk about is just how piss poor the final episode was okay oh maybe not piss poor but how disappointing it was that's the bigger word is disappointing what was the biggest disappointment was like was there anything that they kind of brought up that to me didn't make sense it was just the time skip okay like i was totally on board with emma and ray going back to the demon side and you know trying to bring peace to the demon side okay which is why i i Right there, I wanted to, I wanted some kind of closure. Yep. And then have an expectation for a season three. Okay. But then we quickly find out that there's a time lapse. Yep. Uh, we see the kids grow older bit by bit. Yep. That part was cool. I was totally cool with the kids on the human side growing older bit by bit. Mm-hmm. But I did not like how much time went by on the demon side because we start seeing some random ass things. That makes absolutely no sense to us viewers. Okay. Just some quick things that I wrote down is that uh, we have no resolution between the queen and the nobles. Okay. That we can see firsthand. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure that's going to be a huge portion of the rest of the manga. And at one quick snapshot, there was this dragon and this floating demon that kind of looked like the fucking Pokemon Metatite. Or Mew even. <laughs> but I just you know, you just see this meditating floating demon thing. Yep. I have questions about that one. And yeah, I just I just absolutely hate how they ended this and So the pacing goes from kinda bad to really bad at the very end. Is what oh yeah. Saying. It just gets worse and worse. I will say that guy is key in the manga. The floating, the floating demon, demon metatite mu mutation thing is important <laughs> to the to the manga. He's actually critical in the manga. Oh yeah. Yes. Um. Yeah. So I think I'm pretty. I'm, I think I'm ready to get into some mass manga mentions. All right. We can definitely get into some of the manga mentions now. Nani? I will say for everybody that is listening, this is definitely the most amount of notes I've ever had to write. Also, (laughs) so anybody, because we've been talking about pacing a lot, the first season was chapters 1 through 37. The second season was chapters 38 through 181, which means that the second season has 133 chapters to go over. So it's a lot. There's, that is an insane amount. I don't think there's a... 
I'd be willing to bet that there's not another series out there that covers 133 chapters in one season. In 11 episodes. In 11 episodes, mind you. Yeah, they skip over some super critical details. They skip over, they gloss over people. They, to put it in perspective, most mangas I take anywhere from three to seven pages worth of notes. And this one I have 14 pages of notes. So it's it's a lot. There's individuals that are basically critical to the story, i.e. that demon that we never actually find the name out of who that is. Because every time they talk about it. The floating demon? The floating demon. Yeah. They basically blur it out, make it into the demon writing. So you never know. You no idea who that demon, what that demon's name is. That's strange. Um, I kind of... I didn't mind it because it just kind of adds to the lore of the who that demon is. Yeah. So I was okay with that. And and what was that demon eating to make him so mystical like that? I honestly, I think it was supposed to be like God. And honestly, that's what I think it was supposed to be. Yeah. Because Cause we have this evil-blooded demon that's kind of its own thing. And you think like this might be its like next step up? I, I think it was a deity. I think that's what this thing was. Yeah. Because... This demon lives in what they call the seven walls. So it's not even in that dimension. It's not even in the dimension? No. No, it's... I want to, yeah, okay, I want to know more now. Yeah, so this this demon lives in a, a pseudo space that basically only the Ratchery family member and Emma have visited. Because they talk about how all these people have attempted to visit this demon and nobody's ever came back alive. Okay. So, yep, only Julius, I think is what his name was, was the, uh, the original family member's name. Let's see. The original ancestor? Yep, the original ancestor. Okay. Yes, it was uh, Julius. And he made the promise. And basically the promise consisted of a request and then the demon called it a reward. And basically it was the, in order for me to do this, something has to happen. In the original Promises case, the request was for the demons to stop hunting the humans. Mm-hmm. And the reward was that the Julius had to be the, basically, the watcher of everything. So he had to stay in the demon world, and he had to make sure that the promise stayed fulfilled. So he could never go back, he could never go to the human world, and he had to stay in the demon world. So that was his, quote-unquote, reward for the promise being met. That sounds more like a... Uh sacrifice yes yeah. yes it is it is 100 a sacrifice uh just to kind of we're we're gonna skip around a little bit but emma's request was for that all the humans in the demon world to go to the human world include right. so her family and every human on the farm and all farms in general and all farms to go to the human world okay and that no demon would hunt humans. So basically she had two requests where everybody went back safe and that they didn't have to worry about the demons hunting the humans. And is it safe to assume that this is where every single demon would probably consume a little bit of that evil blood? Yes, that is exactly what happens. Okay. 
Um, we'll go back to it just because I want to kind of kind of want to start from the beginning and work my way through. Yeah, we might as well start over. Yeah. So when they start running through the forest, the f- basically the first episode is where they do a, a pretty good job to stay with pacing fairly well until they get to the bunker. Once they get to the bunker, they go off into right field while the story keeps on into left field. Like, they're just going opposite directions when it comes to... But one thing that happens is while they're fleeing, they fall into this giant hole. And it's the same... It's similar to the hole that Sonju is making. So he's actually... In the anime, they talk about how he makes them of himself. In the manga, they talk about how he uses what these demon trees make it are underground passages, and mm-hmm. he basically connects all the underground passages and makes paths. Right. Yeah. That I think way. They kind of. They touched on it a little bit. Kind of. And mm-hmm. these trees are actually they call them vampire trees, so they suck all the blood out of everything and kill. They they just kill whatever falls into the the pitfalls essentially. Oh, okay. So one thing that changes is you see what is it um, when Sunju rescues the kids? They are fleeing from just a group of demons, right? Or is it? Or were they fleeing from some like royal guard type demons? I don't remember. The guards were chasing them. Okay. But Ray took the. I, I would say most of the attention. Yep. And then and then Emma fainted, and then I think she might have attracted like one demon or so. I don't okay. quite remember what happened on Emma's end, other than her fainting. But the concept was that Ray would take all the attention and lead every demon away. Yep. And then that happens, and you um, see Sunju basically kill all the guards. Mm-hmm. And in the manga, it's actually the guards killing the demons that are chasing, like the uncultured demons that are chasing the kids, trying to eat them. Oh. So that giant demon that's chasing them. Yeah. The royal guard demons are the ones that actually kill that thing. And that's, so that's what happens there. So while the, while they're kind of traveling with um, Mujika and Sunju, they find out about all the... So there's a multiple types of plantations, not just... Or farms. They call them both. There's multiple types of them. So there's the ones where basically the kids are all going to be low quality. Like, they don't move. They don't know anything. Like, they couldn't, couldn't do anything. And those are going to be your super, like, bottom tier meat kind and of thing was this the meat that ended up in the demon villages and stuff or basically yeah, yeah that would be that would be what is passed around the demon villages is going to be all this like bottom of the barrel quality meat right and you find out there are four premium grade farms while grace field is the highest producing one there are three other plantations farms areas that produce high quality meat so So could they essentially pump up the same quality just not the same quantity um so they yes and no they just never did okay uh, produce as good a quality so they said that gracefield was the like the highest end while the other ones still produced good quality they just didn't produce as good a quality 
Okay. So when they're saying their goodbyes, Mujica tells Emma to look for the seven walls, which I had brought that up earlier. And that's the way in order to talk to the deity. And it's a it's a pseudo space. And that's back to the that floating guy with the dragon? Yep. Okay. And you remember when uh, Sunjo, Sunju mentions that he has basically business to attend to when they're talking about the kids, like when they're watching the kids leave. And then he's like, yeah, I got to go do stuff to Mujika. Vaguely, yes. Well, the business he had to attend to was he goes and kills all the royal guards attempting to capture the kids. Oh, so he made an extra step to make sure that they weren't being followed and that yep. they were safe. Yep. Okay. Th- I-, I like that that was, I like that that's said because I was always wondering, like, they're still being followed, so they got to be in the area still searching some house. So, yep. Okay. So they, uh, Muji, or Sanju, Sonju? I call him Sanju. Sanju? I'm pretty sure that's how the anime said San. Uh, he makes sure that the initial pursuers of the kids are killed. So that's okay. what he does. And so once they get to the bunker, the, as I had said, that's when things really start changing. They get to the bunker and immediately find this adult just in the bunker sitting there. Is he alive? He is. Yep. He is definitely there's a, Oh, there's an alive person in the bunker. Okay. Yep. And he had been there. You find out that he is an escapee from 13 years ago. Wow. That's incredibly different okay uh but he is the only one and basically uh, a bunch of stuff happens and he was he said that he would kill all of them and he wanted nothing to do with them and emma was emma so emma is definitely the main character in this in the in the manga yeah and she has a lot more to do with basically everybody wanting to do like in the anime they just kind of like well emma wants to do this so we're gonna do it and in the manga it's like well emma wants to do this and she's wanted to do it for these handful of things so we just believe that whatever she wants is probably going to be the best thing and it makes the most sense and you find out why it makes the most sense but basically she tells this mysterious person, because you don't even find out his name, because she, Emma, is attempting to be cordial with him, and he's basically like, I'm going to blow your fucking brains out, I don't want anything to do with you people, basically trying to intimidate them to get them to leave the bunker. Okay, so he can have it for himself? Yes, you find out there's more to it, but yes, at that point, you think, be just for him to have it for himself. And Emma's basically like, hey, we have seeds and everything we need to fend for ourselves like we're not going to take any of your stuff and then ray brings up how they have enough water and power and all these things to basically last a lifetime that we're not going to take any of your stuff and it'll be okay but he's not really buying it but he does allow for them to stay so then they make a deal to go searching for minerva uh, or they'll activate the emergency dest- self-destruct system. So they're oh, wow. searching this shelter area and they find the self-destruct area. Uh, a couple days have passed or some time has passed and 
they find that there is another or a new location that basically they all the kids should go to like after in within the bunker not within the bunker so once they get into the bunker they find they get information for a new location that they need to go to but it's like a 103-96 or something like that so basically it's like on the other side of the map kind of thing so it's i think they said it's a 5 day journey from where they were at in the bunker. So they basically coerce this mysterious guy into going to this next location. Uh, he then shows the kids that there is actually an armory inside this bunker. So if you look into kind of character pictures, you'll see an or a manga drawn picture and you see Emma with a gun. She has guns. So they do have guns in the manga. Wow. They don't always have bows. Um, but she only carries this four-barreled, four-shot pistol. And then Ray carries some small gun because at this point they're not familiar with guns. So they're they're not going to carry They don't want to carry anything too crazy. They, they just don't know. They don't know what they need. Right. Let's see. Uh, excuse me. It takes four days. So it's a four-day trip to get to this next location. Uh, he lures them into a trap with a series of events. Basically, he makes a bunch of noise and he gets Emma captured and... By what? Uh, demons. Oh, okay. Like feral, so, uh, feral demons or the headquarter demons? Uh, you find out that they are actually royal demons. So they're higher up demons. So they're all royalty, essentially. Okay. And they are brought to a place called Goldie Pond. Which is actually, you come to find out that it's actually the location in which they were trying to go to to begin with. And... Like the B0104 location? So that new location that they found... Okay. Is the next location. And you you find out that after Minerva died, the demons took over it for a pseudo-free world hunting plantation. So they hacked it? They they didn't hack it, they just took it over because nobody nobody was um safeguarding it. Right. So it was just a a hidden location that Peter had given to one of the lords in order to allow him to hunt children as if they were um free, like free roam children. Yeah, like the feral children or whatever. Yep. Yeah. And it's um that in itself could have been a chapter or could have been a se- could have been a season it was probably 40 chapters like that whole process was probably about 40 chapters damn so that could have been a season like we miss a bunch of information uh one of the super important um you find out that the land is owned by lord uh baron ba- baron bayon b a y o n one thing that is different is the walls inside the bunker isn't written help. It has poachers written inside of it. Poachers? Yes. So they call the uh, demons poachers okay. because they're they're killing the children. And it was written by this mysterious guy that was basically trapped inside the shelter for 13 years. Was he trapped or did he stay there for his own safety? He stayed there because it was shelter. But you find out that he was the lone survivor of his group of 
he was the lone survivor of his group of escapees from his plantation uh-huh. from 13 years prior. And he's basically like going psycho, going crazy in the head. And it's part of his grieving process. Yeah. It's just when he wrote those things. And they all got brought to... So they also had a pen. And they go to that B-103 location and get trapped by the demons the lord demons and get a part of the the hunting game and this mysterious guy is the lone survivor of that hunting game is it because he like he was found within this group and he escaped or was it because like he was like kind of in the background and things happened and he never got seen so he ran away before he got noticed or like no basically all of his friends sacrificed themselves for him to escape damn yeah so it's super fucked. Which is why this guy's kind of an asshole to everybody. Yeah, sure. At least at the beginning. Um, so then during the hunting game, Emma meets a man named Lucas, who also knows of Minerva. And Lucas tells all of the kids that are brought from one of the other, from the other plantations about all the information that he knows to basically help create more groups like uh emma's group that escaped from the grace fields okay just gives them all the information and helps them survive so lucas tells emma of a secret door that needs a pen which emma of course just happens to have and you go to this mysterious golden lake hence the name goldie lake because the the area was has this golden lake and you see this floating building They go to the floating building, attempt to walk, or excuse me, they attempt to activate the elevator because they assume that it would bring him to the human world because that was what it was supposed to do. And it basically errors out. It says it can't. It doesn't work anymore. Oh, so is this one of the areas that we find out in the anime that every single crossed out location? Kind of, yes. Used to be a way back to the human world? Basically, it'd be the same thing. So this is one of those locations okay. that no longer works. Uh, one thing that is super important is this is when the phone call happens. So this is when Emma hears the recording. And this is outside the bunker? This, this is-, is at Goldie Lake. So this Ooh, is... okay. And gets the information. He explains who his, who his real name is, uh, that he is James uh, Rattray, uh, and that he's a descendant of the people from who made the original promise that he is actually the 35th head and he was a mediator between the two worlds so that recording happens um i have uh during the recording he says that if they want to break the promise his allies won't stop them and let them happen and that it's their right to choose so basically he's like we understand you guys have been made as cattle mm-hmm. and that if you want to break the promise and let the world be open to demons and humans again we have no right to stop you guys so oh. and he also says that if they don't want to escape or and or start a war that they also that they need to head to the seven walls so Minerva is the second person to tell Emma that he needs there that they need to go to or to these mysterious seven walls area. Uh, after that, there is a clue that they get, and 
it basically tells them to how to find a pen cap which acts as the usb so this is when emma gets all the information about all of the buildings is at this point the headquarters stuff yep so not wait so that random vilk yeah random creepy ass blind demon blind old demon yeah he's he's not important this is when Emma gets all that information. It's basically towards the beginning third of the series. Oh, that's a lot of time to keep on to this yep. pen piece. I would say probably chapter, I think this is chapter like 50 something, maybe 60, around 60-ish time frame. This is the first time that you get any information that Norman's still alive. So up to this point, you think that Norman's dead. You have no, You have no idea that Norman's still alive. Right, because you're supposed to have the assumption that he's dead. Yep. And so you meet this mysterious, or you meet this kid that has a mysterious symbol on his chest, and Emma has no idea where the symbol comes from. So one thing that I forgot to mention is that the bunkers has just a library full of books, and they've spent... Yep, the, the anime showed that too. They, well, they spend a lot of their free time just reading the books. Okay. And I'm pretty sure they t- they talk about that in the anime as well. And so Emma is familiar with basically everybody's coding, like how the different farms help distinguish the children. And Emma sees this guy. He is like super big and buff, but he is dumber than a bag of rocks. Like super dumb. All he, the only thing he says at this point is a code, which is 22194, which if that sounds familiar, it should because that is Norman's barcode. That is his number on his neck. Why would this dummy know? Because the, he is from that area. So from this, the area? Oh, he is, like he, he was from, from Lambda? He was from Lambda. Yep. But if he escaped 13 years ago, how would he know about Not Norman? Not different guys. So this is... Oh, um, sorry. This is Emma in the Goldie Pond er- oh, or Goldie okay, Lake okay. area. And Ray and this mysterious guy are basically still in the woods so this is all before or this is all emma being captured before they come back or they come to get emma and like i said he keeps repeating 22194 which is norman's brand on his neck so that is the did you know this at the moment yes only because they had um they had shown norman like at a desk so you you got a glimpse of Prior to, you got a glimpse of Norman being alive still. Oh, okay. But it was like the chapter before or something along those lines. Uh, but that was Emma's first indication that Norma, Norman might still be alive. Okay. Um, let's see. You see Luca, uh, Lucas and Emma devising a plan to fight back and kill all these monsters. Uh, during the resistance, some of the kids get injured slash die and during the battle, Ray and this mysterious man finally join the battle. So they finally get there and join the battle. A uh, giant battle ensues, and eventually they all kill the demons. One thing that's super important is that you meet this uh, man, this demon called Luvis, L-E-U-V-I-S. And he is a duke, I believe. He's super important because he's the one that basically started these hunting games. Uh, he was in charge of one of the plantations 
and he, uh, every once in a while, like they go into his backstory. They every once in a while, they he would let one kid go, and then he would go chase him, and then kill him, and then eat him, and uh-huh. eventually he would do that like once every six months, and then like once a quarter, and then he had to start doing it like once every few weeks, and then they get to this point where it's he's fix. Yep, he's doing it every every few days, kind of thing. Wow. So, and then January. 29th of 2049 is when Goldie Pond was destroyed. That's very interesting, January 29th, is because they wrote down that date in the bunker. Yep. So... In the anime. That's... That is when Goldie Pond was destroyed, and all of the demons go missing, according to the other royals. So all these demons that are fighting, or hunting the children, are all royals. So there's five groups... Of royals, and they've killed three groups. Uh, they killed the head of three groups of royals at this point. Who's they? The kids that were at the Goldie Pond. Oh, okay. Uh, you find out that the mysterious man's name is Hugo, and him and Lucas were... Sur- Lucas survived, and Hugo and Lucas were the escapees together. So Hugo basically finds out that he wasn't the the sole survivor and he kind of calms down a little bit from his assholeness. Mm. At this point, Emma's new plan is to make a new promise with the demons to no longer eat humans. And after that promise is when they will travel to the human world. So her goal is to make it so that the demons no longer have to eat humans. So it's kind of a win-win for everybody because they can, if they can find a way for the demons to not eat humans and uh-huh. they get to be themselves and then the human or all the kids can travel to the human world uh so then all the kids go back to the shelter to the bunker and there are now 63 kids or 63 people living in that shelter bunker area wow um you see the payphone gets used and they are attempting to contact basically allies in order to become like just get support in this whole situation. They split up the kids into the three plantations. Uh, I'm trying to think which we we did know that, so I'm not 100 percent sure why I wrote that down. Oh, just to kind of put it in perspective of how difficult these questions are, the only thing you see that they bring up to questions is that one of the questions is memorize the picture within 10 seconds. So probably one of those things where you have to know every single detail about this picture Mm -hmm. and you get 10 seconds to memorize it. And then they start asking you questions about the, about said picture. Right. So that's just um, a reference on how difficult these questions are that the normal kids are supposed to be answering. So that's not even the stuff that, they're having Norman do in Lambda. That's what the no- that's what the normal kids are supposed to be able to know. Right. So from January of forty nine, it's been two or it's been a year and seven months. Excuse me. It's been it was two months after the kids escaped from Gracefield. And it's been a year and seven months since Lord Baron and all the other, basically Goldie Lake got destroyed. So it's been basically a year and nine months from the moment that Emma and everybody escaped 
to this point that I'm talking about. Okay. So it's been almost two years. The anime doesn't show any progression in age. It's probably been close to two years since Emma and Ray have seen Norman, just to kind of put it in perspective. Oh, yeah. So the anime shows that a year has gone by. Yeah, and it's been a f- another year, almost another year on top of that. Okay. And they all, you, you actually see them aging. So, like, Norman is gets is taller than Emma, and they're all aging at this point. Like, they're not just the same looking. Let's see. The temple that they were staying at is actually one that they saw in, that Emma had saw, seen in a vision. So, they didn't actually stay at that temple. Like, that temple had nothing to do with them staying anywhere. Like, they never stayed in a temple. Okay. The escape from the bunkers had a lot more to it. Basically, there was a lot. There was a lot more action to it. And Hugo and Lucas basically sac- sacrifice themselves and trap the humans that are pursuing the kids in the bunker while all the kids while all the kids flee and blow up the bunker while they're still in there. The kids are the one that blows up? No, Hugo and Lucas are the oh. ones that blow up the bunker while the kids have fled. Crazy. So then after they escape, Emma learns that they had received a message on the payphone in Morse code to meet at a certain location. So then while they're fleeing, or excuse me, while they're trying to go to the coordinates, they run into two kids and they describe everything Minerva and the Liberators had done so far such as destroying numerous plantations and allowing for kids to escape. One of the kids that Emma is traveling with is super is very sick and needs medicine because they've ran out of medicine at this point. Sure. Uh, so Emma and Ray and one of the people sent by Minerva. So, excuse me, the two kids that they run into say that Minerva sent them to find the kids that were in the bunker that are now fleeing. These are bad guys? No. So Minerva is the good guy. So the two kids are sent by Minerva to find all the kids. Oh, I thought we were, I thought you were trying to say like those owls. No, the owls, the owls aren't really, um, they're not a thing. There's only, I think there's only one owl. So, uh, no, it's all the pursuers to kill the kids are dead at this point. Okay. And the two kids that were sent by Minerva find Emma and Ray and everybody else. And so him, Emma, and Ray go to go by one of the nearby plantations to get uh, medicine for one of the kid for that kid that was extremely sick. And it appears as though Emma had gotten caught. And that's when our favorite guy, um, Zazie, appears. So that's the first time you meet him, is when Emma's actually captured by one of the demons in this plantation. So she's, yeah, she's at this plantation to get medicine. Because all the plantations have medicine. Right. And while they're escaping the plantation with the medicine, Emma gets caught. And then Zazie helps Emma escape by killing the demons that catch her. So then they make it to this hideout and meet with Minerva, who and you find out is Norman. So basically two years later is when Emma and Ray finally 
find Norman. So they're at the hideout when they meet Norman. They're not at some random village. Oh, do they know at this point that Phil and the others are reaching that two-year limit? Or was that not even talked about in the manga it's not talked season about. one? It's not talked about. Oh. Well, so it's, it's not brought up in the back end of the manga like it's just not a plot point at this point okay they they talk about needing to get back to um get all of the humans to the human world before that two-year mark but once so i think they're at like a year and like 10 months 11 months kind of thing okay so they're, they're getting they know they're getting close but they've still got time you you follow along Norman, who meets with this banished noble, demon noble, and they make a, a deal with this guy to be an ally in exchange. They would allow they would be allowed to govern themselves, and they would get the plantations. Basically, he makes a deal with the demon that the humans would go free, but that's really about it. And then conversations happen after both of them leave. And the demon's like, yeah, I'm not going to follow through with that deal. And Norman and Vincent basically like, yeah, that's, that deal's not actually going to happen in the end. So they're just using each other. Because uh, Norman's plan is actually to start a, a civil war with all the demons. And at this point, all the plantations that are getting destroyed are believed to be destroyed by demons that are being, well, being malnourished. So they, they're breaking into these plantations and eating the humans so that they don't. So they don't regenerate or uh, degenerate. Yeah. So they don't degenerate. Okay. The king and the royals are, or the queen and the royals are the only ones that have the evil blood in them at this point. Uh, or, well, excuse me, let, let me rephrase that. You find out that the queen and all of the nobles have the evil blood in them and that they don't want any of the commoners to have this evil blood in them because right. they, they want to be able to control the food supply. Right. So then you know how when Emma and Ray have this second conversation with Norman, he promises to wait a few days yep. before he goes through with his attack. Well, he never promises anything to them. Basically, Emma is like, hey, Ray and I are going to go to the Seven Walls. We're going to make a new promise and go from there. And Norman's like, well, I'm going to execute this plan in so many days. So if you're not back, well... You're not back. Like, that's pretty much all that's to it. Okay. So you do see Norman and his group doing experiments on that demon. So that giant demon that they had locked up. Yep. Uh, they had it locked up so that they could do experiments. Basically, they were using it to help them figure out the formula they needed for that degeneration serum. Right. Um, you do actually see the queen. So she plays some sort of significance. More but than like a... Two second roll in yep. the anime. Yep, she has some significance. Um, so there's that festival. There, Norman actually attacks them during the festival. So you know the festival that they were going to get. Uh, Ray, Emma, and Norman were all going to get sacrificed to that festival that you had mentioned earlier, like the ceremony thing. 
kind of. I know they bring it up in the... I could have sworn they brought it up in the anime where that there was a reason why the three of the kids were getting shipped out at the same time. Well, it was for the actual uh, deity. Basically, he had told the demons that he alone could eat the highest quality meat. So uh, basically, it was just a it was another control tech. It was one of those reward type things. So they made a promise to the deity to be in charge. And he said, sure, but I'm the only one that can eat the highest quality meat. Okay. So then there's that ceremony that they use to sacrifice that meat. And that's what the three Emma Ray and Norman were going to be sacrificed to. And Norman attacks the village town during this event because all of the nobles are there the queens basically everybody's there at the time and is this what we find out that his poison doesn't work on the evil-blooded um kind of yeah so you do find out about it but it's it's not because the nobles he actually used that one demon that was um basically they where they were going to betray each other so he used that demon to attack the nobles and then while they were attacking each other his group killed the rest of the nobles and then attempted to kill the queen come to find out that the queen is really hard to kill eventually they do end up killing her let's see uh you so it's ray and gilda or excuse me Ray asks Gilda and Don to find uh, Mujica and Sunjo. Excuse me. Norman asks Gilda and Don. And they believe that Norman is using Gilda and Don to kill them. Like to kill um, Mujica and them. It, it's basically like a, he's using them to get to Mujica so that Norman can kill or can have them killed because he believes of them as to be the evil blood. You might you meet this kind of super badass person. Her name is Aish and she was actually raised by demons. Kind of a cool little backstory. And she has two dogs. She has two wolf dogs. Like not demon looking ones, just normal looking wolf dogs. Oh. Then you get some backstory for the war from a thousand years ago. And the first promise. So originally, Julius had told his comrades that they were going to use like prisoners of war and all these other non-believers as sacrifices for the demon. Yeah, for the demons. And those were going to be the people that were going to be eaten by the by the demons. Mm -hmm. Well, come to find out that Julius made a pact with one of the demons and they capture all of his comrades, all of his basically nobles, and they become the sacrifices. So it's all of the ancestors, all of his comrades become the ancestors to all the children. So okay. it's, it's super fucked up. Julius is, you know, lives up to his name, right? So then those flowers are how they initially get into the seven walls. So the seven walls are actually a series of tasks you have to do in order to see this demigod or this deity. Okay. Because um, you have to give some blood. And basically what she does is she drop, she puts a drop of blood in water and then it soaks up the, the bit of blood. And then you 
or in the golden water. You need the golden water to. So she puts some of her blood in the golden water. She puts that flower in the golden water, and then they get brought to they, as in Emma and Ray, get brought to the first task, so the first wall. And you see him going through these series of events in order to meet the deity. When Emma gets there, her new promise is for all human cattle to enter the human world. And after that, for the two worlds to be closed off. So that stuff happens and you don't find out what the reward is in order to fulfill the promise. Like you have no idea what the reward is at that point. You just know that there's something that needs to happen. Uh, You find out that Sunju is the brother of the queen. So he is also a noble. Whoa. I guess that explains why he has the evil blood within him. Yep. Okay. Let's see. Uh, So that's really that kid that is at Goldie Lake that is part of the Lambda Project, you come to find out, is the key to saving Norman and all of the other Lambda experiments. Because he is the only one that doesn't have the side effects from the drugs. From the drugs. Yep. So they're actually using his DNA and medicine that they have in the human world in order to save all the Lambda kids. So while the battle with the Queen is happening, the current Ratchery Head has troops and captures all the kids who weren't at the festival and brings them to the closest farm, which is Gracefield. So the thing that Peter promises... Isabella is true freedom. So that's the thing that he wish he whispers in her ear. In her ear is that she will have true freedom. Okay. Chip free. Yep, chip free, true freedom. Uh come to find out, so that huge battle in um Goldie Lake, they kill uh they call him his name is Duke Luvis. Luvis. And come to find out that he is not actually dead. So Sunju, um so after all the nobles are dead. They talk about there's not going to be any sort of like continuity between all the demons. They're not going to follow follow anybody's orders or anything. So they su- suggest because Sunju is technically a noble that he should go up and basically be like, hey, listen to me. And he says that I've been banished. I nobody's going to listen to me. I'm no longer anything at this right. point. So then Luvis shows up and oh excuse me so one thing that i forgot to mention is that mujika and sunjo are actually captured by the royal guards and are ordered to be executed by the queen okay so right before that happens everybody's dead duke luvis who is obviously a noble comes and halts the execution and then tells everybody that the evil blood that they've been told was evil is not actually evil. And that they were made to believe this in order to be controlled. So that their, that Mujica's blood is not actually evil, that it's meant to liberate everybody. Um, also, Luvis, he mentions that he wants to abolish all the farms. And that he wants to make Mujica the queen. I can see that. The nice thing is, because of where everything happens, all of the kids get to see all of this information happening. So all the kids know that all the farms have been abolished. And because of the quote-unquote evil blood being passed around to all the demons, they no longer need 
human flesh. Mm. So then you see Emma and everyone leaving to the human world. So everybody leaves at the same time to go to the human world. Okay. I, I have no idea what they were doing when they came back to the demon worlds. I know they had mentioned something along the lines of making sure that everybody gets to the human world, but that kind of really doesn't... I mean, it kind of makes sense, but it really doesn't make sense if you think about it. Um. So then you see the a member of the Ratri clan in the human world, and he is the one that actually takes, on, takes in all the children. You come to find out that the human side of the world had a giant war to end all wars and that there's no longer any borders or anything like that everybody comes and goes everywhere as they please demon and human nope not just just human side oh okay, okay. so that had happened 10 years prior was this massive war and virus that had happened that got spread throughout the world and because of that there are no longer any countries it's just one giant or excuse me there's no longer any countries Everybody's just a citizen of the human world. Okay, interesting. Um, so then when they get there, they notice that Emma is not there with them. Oh. So come to find out that the reward for the wish was for Emma to lose all of her memories. Oh, wow. So she loses. So basically the reward would have been something similar to like the Ratri family where they had to either stay or something like that. But basically, or like one of her family members would have to die. But her wish was that everybody went to the human world and that everybody was safe. Mm -hmm. So neither of those two things could happen. So in this case, Emma loses her family because she loses every memory of everybody and doesn't remember anything so you find her this mysterious man comes and saves her and she doesn't remember anything uh they talk about how she has some random dreams where she'll see all of her family but she doesn't remember who they are and she just starts crying because in her heart she knows that these people are important to her but she can't remember why okay that sounds like some futuristic stuff yeah kind of or foreshadowing at least that's that's kind of what i was getting at yeah, kind of. I can see that. Um, so then in the last chapter, you get a kind of time jump where they're like, hey, we've been searching for two years with zero luck. And eventually she gets Ray, like believes he gets a, a glimpse of her and, and he does end up finding her. And they get all super excited and she just kind of gets afraid because all these people are crowding around her and she has no idea why. Like there's just all these people around her. Right. And eventually like all of uh, Norman starts talking and says that he's happy that she's still alive and that she's safe. And she just starts crying and that he says that... And eventually some some more things are said and he says that he hopes they can all live together and she says okay and then that's it that's the end they just live together well it's so it's you see them just kind of all talking together in the in the square and they're holding hands and he says let's all live together and she says okay so she does she doesn't remember them but she knows they're important somehow yeah so she just says okay so i guess 
I mean, if the manga really wanted to, they could spin more stories out of that, I guess. But yeah. I mean, it is it is a cute ending. Like, let's just live together. Yeah, let's. They're they finally got their happy ending. Right, right. Because like, you just showed me the last image, and the point where Emma says "okay" was literally like feathery things in the background, and it was all cutesy. So it's supposed to be a happy ending. It doesn't necessarily mean that it's a cliffhanger. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it was. They finally finally got what they were they'd been hoping for for at that point four years right they're free yep and they're together yep and that's all all they ever wanted right um one thing that i did forget to mention is that norman says that he's in love with emma oh yes you were saying that off air that uh in the manga he officially says it yeah but in season one he never he never mentions that at all he almost got to it but then he was uh disrupted yep and so all he had ever wanted was just for her to be happy and safe so he finally finally got that yep so it was a good ending i i enjoyed it it was one of those endings where it didn't feel forced it didn't feel like you said i mean there could have been more but honestly as far as the story is concerned there's no need for more there isn't no yeah because everything's done yeah, like all they're all they're gonna have is them growing up, but that's no longer the story at that point. Right. So I was I was good with the ending. What What did you think of that ending? The ending was good. Not the only now my mind's going into the future, and now I'm trying. <laughs> like now I'm thinking of Digimon Try, where multiple years have gone by, and now their past is catching up to them. Yep. And now they have to go deal with it as, you know, older people. Yeah. And, like, now all of a sudden, Emma and the crew have to go back to the demon side and fix things that have gone wrong there or something like that. But, like... But that's sealed off. So, there's... Oh, yeah, yeah. There's no way to go back because they don't have those um, plants, those sacrificial plants to go back. And they don't have that goldy water to go back. So, there's no way to go to the seven walls again or anything like that. So... Yeah. Yeah, so I guess it is what it is at this point. Yep. Yeah, so that's Promise Neverland. It's I enjoyed it. Uh as I mentioned previously, I I understand people's complaints if you've read the manga. Oh, I totally get it. That's an insane amount of information that's just been overlooked. And that was me just kind of picking information. Like right. that wasn't everything. There was a lot more information that I could have brought up and I just gave good important information. Yeah. As in, what, 140-some chapters? 133 chapters. Yeah, damn. So, it, it was... I will 100% say, watch this. Like, it, it it ends it. And, yes, some some things are kind of weird when it comes to the ending and the anime. But I have no real complaints about the, about the ending in either the manga or the anime. Right. Yeah, I'll still stick to my guns. If you're a casual anime watcher... Still definitely worth the watch. Yep. But if you want more, dive well, into the manga. Or you can just listen to me talk about it for an hour. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, or pick some highlights out of this episode. But it, yeah, I would definitely say read read the manga. There, there's a lot of information. It's good. The, the manga was good. Well, I'm good with that. Yep. Anything else you want to tap onto this? Nope, I'm good. All right. Well, uh, Anime Loungers, that was the end of... Promise Neverland Season 2. Make sure to like, follow, and share all of our content. And we'll see you next time. Later.